Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving Live. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. That's 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's get this show on the road. Good afternoon to those of you who are listening live. Welcome to the program. Um, coming to you live today from Mount Desert Island High School in Mount Desert Island, Maine. Uh, during the summer, this is an absolutely beautiful place. It's near Bar Harbor. Spectacular. It's right outside Acadia National Park. During the winter, well, we've got a uh, very gray, rainy day here today. But um, I was up here today talking with some folks uh, in the Mount Desert Island school system and other uh, local school systems about how to get the ball rolling on collaborative problem solving and people here as well as in lots of other places in the country uh, are real excited about how to set things up so that they've got the right lenses on so that they understand challenging kids as well as possible so that the structures are in place for doing plan B with those kids proactively in particular communicating with each other making sure they've got a cohesive problem-solving plan in place. Um, I'm living large. When I'm in a school where people are really dedicated and prioritizing the challenging kids in their building and what they can do to make sure that we don't lose those kids, um, well, that's about as good as it gets. Um, we do have um, some folks uh, ready and chomping at the bit, not from Maine today, but from another state, and I'm not going to name the state, but um, have kind of a show a program planned today to talk about a particular challenging kid, a high school kid, uh, in another state. And once again, we're not going to use any names and we're not going to use any specific locations, but this is a, uh, some folks emailed me from a, uh, another school uh, quite a ways from Maine, um, about a kid who they're especially having trouble doing Plan B with. It sounds like they've got the right lenses on, lagging skills, unsolved problems. I'm going to find out as I talk to them. It's the first time I've ever spoken with these folks. We've exchanged a few emails. Um, but uh, they're calling in today to talk about a particular challenging kid. Um, and I'm going to put them uh, on live in just a minute. Just want to remind the rest of you that if you want to call in, that number once again is 646-727-2691. As always, if you're working with a kid who's not responding very well to Plan B, and we're going to hear about one of them today, if you're running into difficulty using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, having difficulty getting people at school to buy in, having difficulty working with parents, this is your opportunity to call in live if you want to, comment, ask questions, 
get the support you need or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. And once again, as always, if you're a little hesitant to call in, you can submit a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. Go to the contact form, and you can send me a question that way, and I'll respond uh, I'll either respond to the question during the show if I'm able to look at them in time, or I'll respond by email. But let's now turn to our folks who are calling from another state. I'm going to put them on live here, um, and I'm going to – you guys are on live. I know we have a few people participating in this. Yes, today? Uh, yes. How are you all out there today? We're good. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm just going to give a little background information. This is a high school, yes? Yes, it is. And a particular high school kid we're talking about, yes? Yes. And what do you think? Would it be a good idea? Do you want to give some background information, or should I read a little bit of the background information that you sent me just to set the stage for some of the questions that you all have about doing Plan B with this kid? What, what do you think would be best? Do you want to talk about them, or you want me to read some of what I know already? If you want to read some of what you know, that'd be great. We can kind of fill in the blanks. Got it. So this is a kid who's a high schooler. I don't need to give a specific uh, age or, or grade um, who's uh, not been terribly responsive to teachers when he's being asked to do something. He ends up blowing up and walking out of class. And boy, does that sound like a familiar scenario in terms of what goes on in school classrooms with kids who badly need us to be doing Plan B with him. Um, in past conversations, he's indicated that reading is a struggle for him and that he often doesn't understand what he's supposed to do. Now, there's some great, specific, pretty specific information, at least, about some unsolved problems that we could be talking with him about. And you all have indeed tried talking with him about some of those unsolved problems and what we've learned is that he thinks that dropping out is what's best for him and yet he's also indicated that he doesn't want to drop out and it also seems that he'd rather be sent to the office for the assistant principal to suspend him um, let me keep reading through here um, Hill says he's going to refuse to do the work because he doesn't really see the point because he's not going to graduate um, and people have really been extending themselves for this guy they've been telling him that they'll work with him individually, they'll make accommodations for him. Um, over and over again, that he states that he doesn't even know why people are bothering because what's the point? And keeps saying he wants you to send him to the office. Um, you refuse to send him to the office. Um, let me keep scanning through here. Math is the only subject he likes, feels that he's good at. He's got respect for the math teacher. Um, he doesn't feel like he has many options. Um, people are eager to work with him, talks with him, and I want to hear a little bit, I want to get into some detail about the talks with him because it says that they end up going badly, going around in circles and have no progression in them whatsoever. Um, see if there's anything else we want to say about him. Um, you've indicated to him that it looks like he wants to go to the office so that he can get suspended, and he's told you that that doesn't seem too far off base. People are at a loss for what to do. People don't want to lose him. That's fantastic. But he continues to come to school, do nothing, and then just wait for someone to get frustrated enough so that he gets suspended. And it's very That would sad. be correct. It's very sad. You've indicated he's the only student you have in this situation, but he's the worst-case scenario. 
Let's talk about them. Want to fill in any of the blanks on this guy? Um, well, we've done some um, a use of the the offset scale that you have. Good. With the the unlock, you know, the unsolved <laughs> problems, the lagging skills, and in getting some of those back from teachers, it appears that pretty much every single check mark underneath the lagging skills part was checked. And the, let me just comment on that briefly. I don't, I don't, I'm going to interrupt you a few times just to make okay. sure that people who are listening or listening to the, listening live or joining and listening to the archive. Um, I guess point number one is the lagging skill section of the ALSUP is primarily for the purpose of us making sure we have the right lenses on. Um, it's so that we're knowing that this kid's difficulties uh, flow from his lagging skills. So something that's not in our vocabulary as we're filling out the lagging skill section of the ALSUP are things like manipulative, attention-seeking, coercive, unmotivated limit testing. And instead, we're talking about specific lagging skills. Now, the other thing I'll say is that it sounds like you sent the ALSUP out for people to fill out. Um, the, my prefer, and that's not a horrendous use of the ALSUP. The preferred use of the ALSUP is that it be a discussion guide for people to get together and really make sure that everybody's wearing the right lenses. It's not uncommon for a kid to light up the tree, as I sometimes call it, on lagging skills. And the good news about that is, although that could make us feel overwhelmed, luckily we're not actually interested in teaching those skills directly. We're just interested in making sure that we have the right lenses on. And if most of those ALSIPs came back with tons of lagging skills checked off, that tells me, I hope what it tells me, is that people have the right lenses on and everybody's aware that he's lacking crucial cognitive skills. Yes? Correct. Good. Keep going. Um, we, he's had, uh, last semester, attendance-wise, uh, he missed, I believe, 27 days. He's already missed 9 of 10 days this semester. Um, just an overall feeling that he feels like he's stupid, he's wasting his time, he's wasting our time. He lives with a guardian. He hasn't lived with his parents since he was 11 years old, and he's currently 17 years old. And does uh, he, I'm going to, I'm going to launch, I'm going to, um, latch onto that one just briefly. Does he, because one of the things that I'm either going to cover today, depending on how long we take talking about him, and I'm fine with us taking the whole time, or on another day, is I'm going to go through some ALSIPs, some assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that I've collected from some different students that people have filled out ALSIPs on. And I'm going to go through some of the information that's on the ALSIP some of, some information that we could gather about a kid is relevant to why he, in this case, seems so hopeless about ever being able to do well in school and as manifested in the fact that he's not showing up quite a bit. And even when he does show up, um, well, he's not really there. Um, he's, we think at least, trying to figure out ways to get suspended so that he won't still be there. Do people think that the fact that he's living with a guardian besides his parents, do people think that that is an important piece of information as it relates to why he's not coming to school? In a conversation that I had with him prior to him being suspended about a week and a half ago, yep. he didn't really want to share a lot of that information about it. Um, didn't see the point, didn't understand why it was any of our business. Um, I, I believe that it is especially in, in the situation that, that we're dealing with with some of our kids. 
But uh, even in just trying to talk with him in a calm manner, it wasn't some, some piece of information that he was willing to give up very easily. Because it may well fall into the category of things we can't really do much about. And I don't mean to sound insensitive here because there's a lot of challenging kids out there who live in life circumstances that are not ideal. Correct. Some of those life circumstances we might be able to do something about, or at the very least we might want to give the kid an opportunity to talk to us about them. But there are many life circumstances about which we can do nothing. And although we want to be sensitive to the kid's life circumstances and the fact that they may not be ideal, and I'm just making a little point here before we move on with him, it's often the case that we become over-focused on those life circumstances about which we can do nothing. And I'm not saying that you all are. And then we end up focusing on things about which we can do nothing, and we end up not doing much because we are totally consumed, not that you are, about the things about which we can do nothing, which is why, and I'm just making a point here, I tend to be largely focused on lagging skills, something on which he's lighting up the tree, and unsolved problems. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, first tell us, are there any lagging skills that seem like the highlight lagging skills, the big-time lagging skills, the ones that really seem to be getting in his way? Any of those, you want because we don't want to go through the entire list of lagging skills, are there any that jump out at you as ones that do particularly seem to be getting in his way? Uh, one that I've witnessed, and then a couple of the teachers that got back to me uh, underline, especially was the inflexible and accurate interpretation slash cognitive distortions of biases. Uh-huh. Either you always blame me, this isn't fair, or I'm stupid. Nobody cares about those types of things. Outstanding. And so one of his default explanations for why he's not doing so well is that he's stupid. Of course, we already have information that would that would contradict that, and that is that he's obviously not stupid in everything because he's good in math and likes math. But yes, that's, a, that's an outstanding, not outstanding for him, but a great example of a cognitive distortion. Other lagging skills that seem to be getting in his way that jump out at you? I would say the difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks, although for him, I don't know that it's anything that's necessarily challenging. It's just, even if it's something that's simple, but he feels like he's going to fail at it, he would just rather not do it. And I think that's part of where some of the blow-ups come from as well. Him feeling like he's not going to be successful on a given task and then um, calling it a day. Right. Got it. Keep going. Any others jump out uh, at you? These are, these are excellent ones. Of course, they're all excellent. But handling sounds like transitions, shifting from one mindset or task to another. Um, can you tell us more about that one? How, what would that look like in this kid? Um, a change of schedule. He seems to freak out when something doesn't quite go as planned or if there, there's something that he's not expecting. Uh, social situations <laughs> seem to be a struggle for him, uh, engaging, and, and just watching him in the halls. He doesn't really seem to interact with any other kids. Uh, he did express to me one day when we were talking that my class was too large, and this was just my class in general, um, when we talked about shutting him down someplace where he would feel safer or maybe be able to develop a relationship with, like, our 
recovery room teacher or even our ISS teacher, not from the simple fact that he would be in trouble, but it would be a place where he could go. Um, then he, you know, came up with the, well, then that just means I'm stupid. You know, people will think this or people will think that. So it doesn't seem to matter what option we throw at him. It just doesn't seem to be, it just doesn't seem to work. Okay. And um, one of the points that I will definitely want to make, and this is specific to this kid, but it's also specific to ways in which things can go awry with a challenging kid. I think we may be talking about solutions before we understand what's getting in his way as fully as we could. And he may be experiencing those solutions as evidence of the fact that as he's telling us, things are never going to get better. And so, as a general rule, we don't want to be talking about solutions until we've made our way through the first two ingredients of Plan B, his concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem, our concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. And so what we're going to do for the remainder of time is try to troubleshoot what has been going wrong, how Plan B has been going awry, in our efforts to solve problems collaboratively with this kid who I am suddenly feeling great empathy for because, boy, no one would struggle with change on purpose. No one enjoys the fact that when something changes in their environment, they have an extremely hard time with it. No, no one would choose to be that way. No one would choose to have difficulty making transitions. No one would choose to have cognitive distortions that are coloring their perceptions of reality. No one would choose that. This kid is clearly lacking crucial cognitive skills, and those cognitive skills are, those lagging skills are getting in his way under specific conditions that I call unsolved problems. Now the rubber's about to meet the road. Can you tell us, in, in, the, in what I read at the beginning description of this kid, we heard about some potential unsolved problems. What unsolved problems do you all have identified on the ALSIP in the unsolved problems section, if any? As far as it, it well, I would guess that we don't, I don't personally really know a lot about his home life other than the fact that he lives with somebody who is his guardian and is not, I believe, a blood relative. And so uh, because you're working with him at school, we're probably not going to pay much attention to the home section of the unsolved problems section. Let's focus on the school section. Okay. What unsolved problems are reliably and predictably precipitating bad episodes, challenging episodes at school, even if a challenging episode is just him sitting there and doing nothing? The getting started on or completing a class assignment. Great. I love it, and that's a pretty specific unsolved problem. The only thing I would do on that unsolved problem is try to make it even more specific um, because I want, when we're doing the empathy step of plan B with him, when we're saying I've noticed that and then dropping an unsolved problem into the sentence and asking him what's up, we want to make sure that it's an unsolved problem that he can really sink his teeth into so that we can start getting the information we're looking for. So such as I've noticed that it takes, 
me several redirections to get you to start engaging me in the assignment or working on an assignment, something like that? Um, I think that what I mean, meant by being specific, I think that's a great unsolved problem. I would just be more specific about what subject it is. And, but you're going to be talking to him about having trouble getting started in your class, yes? Correct. And are there specific assignments? Is it all assignments that he's having trouble getting started on? It's all. It's all. All, so, all of um, his classes. All of his classes. How about all of your assignments? Correct. Are there, are some, are there any that he just does get started on? Uh, the only thing that I know he's being successful on is math. Math. So in your and it's class, a smaller class. Got it. So do, do you want to tell us what class yours is? I teach a health class. All right. So here's what the empathy step would sound like. I, I thought yours was fine. Um, I've noticed that in my class... Very hard for you to get started on assignments. What's up? Let me ask you this though. This is interesting because it sounds like if you there's there's you're calling it redirecting. I'm sort of curious about what that looks like. It sounds like he will actually get started on something. Sometimes he will. Is there any rhyme or reason to that? Are there some assignments he will get started on with redirecting? Um, I mean, I want to hear a little bit more about what redirecting is, but are there some assignments that he will get started on and others that no matter how much you redirect, nothing's going to happen? Truthfully, it's a matter of what kind of mood he is in the day. It, it could be a simple, one day we had an assignment that uh, was basically, it's just a bell ringer. We have bell ringers every day when they come in, and one day he'll do them, the next day he won't. Um, you're attributing that to mood. Sometimes, yes. Okay. I don't want to jump the gun on mood because um, I don't want to I don't want to have preordained notions about why some days he does and some days he doesn't. That's some of the information I'd want to gather in the empathy step. What, when you say redirecting, what does redirecting mean? Just reminding him to get started. Right. So some days you'll say. Um, Billy, which is not his real name. I don't know his real name. I hope it's not his real name. Billy. No, we'll call him Matt. We'll call him Billy. Billy, um, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that most days it's hard for you to get to work in my class, but some days if I remind you to get to work, you do, and others you don't. What's up? There's your empathy step. Okay. And while it's possible that mood is an issue. I'm also suspecting, based on the information that you gave me about this guy before we did this program, that assignments that involve reading would be problematic as well. Assignments on which he feels he's going to be unsuccessful would be problematic as well. And we'd need to drill further on those to really get a clear sense of what's getting in his way. The further we drill, the clearer it becomes what it is that we actually want to be working on with this guy. And I don't, not that you necessarily are, but I don't want to make any assumptions about what's getting in his way ahead of time. I might have some hypotheses ahead of time, but I don't want to make any assumptions ahead of time. Otherwise, I might steer the ship in the direction of those assumptions and miss out on some potentially very crucial information. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So 
this may be the part of plan B that needs to be buffed up the most. Um, because one of the things that may be happening is, and you'll have to tell me if I'm right or wrong, we may be making assumptions about what's getting in his way, or we may be going with very limited information on what's getting in his way, and we then may be moving towards solutions that would address those vague concerns in ways that may cause him to say to himself, and then maybe to you guys, that's not going to work, because he may actually know that we haven't really gotten to the bottom of what's getting in his way. And I think that this kid, who's had a lot of people talking with him over the course of his life, may be very sensitive to the possibility that people aren't really getting to the root of what's getting in his way. I'm not, I'm not saying that the root is necessarily that he's not living with his biological parents. I'm curious about what the root is of his reading difficulties. I'm curious about what the root is. I'd want to get greater clarity on what type of reading causes him difficulty and maybe what type of reading doesn't. I'd want to get to the root of what assignments does he feel like he could successfully do. I know that the answer is math, but you're not teaching him math. I'm wondering if there are assignments in health that he finds to be less vexing, less intimidating, less scary than others. Um, that's all information that I would get if we were drilling with him and really trying to get the clearest possible understanding of why sometimes he works and why sometimes he doesn't and what ingredients seem to be related to working and what ingredients seem to be related to not working. But let me ask you, do we have any other information about that yet, or is that really where we need to center our efforts on doing Plan B with this kid? What do you think? Um, I pretty much have the, the information I've given you. I believe his counselor is in here, and he may be able to offer up a little bit more information than, than what I can. Counselor, you want to jump in? I know we've got a few different people sitting in your room with you, so jump on in, counselor. Well, you've taken, I think, kind of a narrow focus, it seems like, more with the reading and the the uh, instructional piece. Yes. Most of what I've talked with him about is not so much home life, but esteem issues, the kinds of things that shut him down, the kind of triggers of what adults will say to him that sets him off. Um, for me, mood has been a huge factor, like almost when he walks in the door, He's in shutdown mode before he even enters his first class, some things like that. So I, I have I have information, but I don't know that it's really going to hit this plan B that you're headed towards, which is really like a specific focus on, okay, exactly which tasks, exactly what is the reading problem, and that kind of thing. Because I haven't really worked with him on an instructional we, level. You don't want to let me oversteer the ship either because I'm um, – hypothesizing, you've actually just given us some other specific unsolved problems that we could simultaneously be talking with him about. So here's what another potential unsolved problem using Plan B would sound like. I've noticed that some days when you walk into school, you seem to be in a really bad mood. What's up? Now, do we have, but I'd still want to drill because 
bad mood is a little too vague for me or him to sink his teeth into, do we have an understanding of what it is that causes him to be in a bad mood when he walks into the building? No, and he hasn't been super open about what that would be. Even with, you know, specific questioning or even with some latitude and just listening, like, I hear you saying bad mood. What do you mean by bad mood? Yeah. Or, you know, and he, he's he been pretty much will just kind of repeat back. I don't know. I just don't want to be here. And okay. So now that's interesting. Go okay. ahead. Sorry, he just seems to dance around a lot of my uh, questioning and listening skills. And that's kind of where the the talking in circles, I think, comes in as well, too. Well, here's the interesting thing. I I was curious about the talking in circles part. He seems, and I'm not there when these discussions are going on, but what he seems to be saying to us is, I'm not in a bad mood. I just don't see the point in my being here. Now, here's the interesting thing. If we are sure that he's in a bad mood, and he's telling us that he's not, then I would go with what he's telling us. Um, I'd go with, uh, ah, so you don't feel like being here in the first place. Let's talk more about that. Because, you know, I've been shooting down the alley of you being in a bad mood, and you're telling me that's not exactly the way you would describe your experience what you're telling me is you don't want to be here and you don't see the point. So I'd like to hear more about that. He'll usually, in fact, I think this conversation came up uh, last week when he and I were talking, and I believe our uh, school resource officer had a, a little bit more in-depth conversation with him as well, but I'll touch base um, with what he had said to me was that uh, he really didn't want to be here, um, doesn't see the point, but he really doesn't want to be out on the streets either because he knows that if he's out on the streets that he'll make bad decisions, but yet um, he's okay if he just has to go live under a bridge. Got it. So, But here's the hard part of the empathy step, drilling. Drilling is where we're asking ourselves, what is it that I need to ask next so that I have a clearer understanding of what this kid is trying to tell us? And so I don't want to jump to any assumptions. I think a lot of adults feel pressure to intuit what the kid is trying to say, what he means. A lot of mental health professionals do this too. Adults in general feel like if the kid gives us this little snippet of information, then we should instantaneously understand what he's trying to say. And I've got to tell you, I don't understand what he's trying to say. So what I'm trying to think to myself about is what – what I need to ask him, and I'm not there, so it's going to be you all, what do you all need to ask him so that you have a clearer understanding of what he means by, I don't want to be here, this place isn't working for me? Because he's also saying, you know, by saying I don't want to not be here, boy, he certainly does seem to be longing for us to understand better why it is that this place isn't working for him and why he wouldn't want to be here. And that means that we've got some more drilling to do so that we understand that as well as possible. But I guess the important point to be made is we seem to have moved off mood, and we seem now to be moving in the direction, and I like this direction. I would like mood too, but it doesn't seem the direction that the ship is is moving in. 
I want to hear more about why this place doesn't work for him. And we've heard a little bit about that, um, but I'd like to hear it from him. I don't feel like I'm going to be successful. Tell us what parts of the day, and once again now I'm getting very specific, what about school aren't you feeling successful at? I can't, I'm making this up now. I can't read. There's only one class in which I can do well. Um, now I'm back to being specific. If that's what he says, now I really want to get some specific ideas about what classes he feels like he's not doing well in, what we may know that already, what assignments in those classes he feels like he can't do, what it is about those assignments that make it hard for him to do. Notice how we're getting more and more specific. We've gone from mood to this place doesn't work for me to the classes to, to the classes that are not working for him to the assignments within those classes that are not working to the specific demands of the assignments that are not working. And if he's still participating in this conversation with us, then we're not going around in circles. We are actually getting closer to what's getting in his way. The closer we get to what's getting in his way, the better chance we have of solving the problems that are getting in his way. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, in the conversation we had last week or uh, whenever it was, um, we were talking out in the hallway, and we had talked about whether or not reading was hard for him. And one minute he says that it is, and then we go about three or four more minutes in the conversation, it's, and he looks at me and he goes, you know, I can read. I can do this. I just choose not to because I'm lazy. And uh, well, I said, well, like what is it about math? some things that have been said to him before. Right. What is it about math that, you know, want, makes you want to do it? What is it about that? Again, it was the that he likes it, it's interesting to him, and um, that, you know, he'll do it because he finds it interesting, but if it's something that's not very interesting to him, then he just doesn't even want to try it. Then he gets lazy. These are his words, not mine. And that right now he feels like that he's too far behind. But he doesn't, he's, he doesn't want to pursue any other options, GED, Job Corps, anything okay, now, like that. Here's the problem. Now we're talking about solutions. Okay. Me, I'm still stuck on, and I, I don't want to talk about solutions yet. Number one, I would call those solutions shots in the dark. But where the, where the drilling veered off was when we moved from reading and him regurgitating something that's been said to him before. I'm just lazy. But I want to rewind the tape here. I want to go back to reading. Math isn't reading. I know he's good in math. What I might say is maybe it's just that I know you know how to read, but I also know that there are times you don't read. Maybe there's something about specific tasks involving reading where some of them are really hard for you and some reading tasks are not hard for you. Maybe we should take a look at what types of reading tasks are hard for you. Notice I'm sticking with reading. I haven't moved on to math, and I haven't moved on to Job Corps, because here's the interesting thing. If we could help him with the assignments, in re if we could figure out what it is about certain reading assignments that are hard for him, number one, I think he might well find this to be a very satisfying conversation because we're clarifying what's really getting in his way. And then he doesn't have to keep saying he's lazy. Now we really know what's getting in his way. 
and then we can come up with a plan for working on what's getting in his way. And the truth is, Job Corps is actually not a good solution for what's getting in his way on reading. I think that we may be jumping the gun on solutions. And this is not unusual. You all, this is not me being critical. I'm just making a, using your kid as an example of the ways in which Plan B can sometimes go awry. Sometimes when we're not exactly sure what to say, what to ask, to drill further so that we really understand what's getting in the kid's way, we head for familiar ground. And that's either our concern or our solutions. And what he may be saying to us, and maybe one of the reasons that it feels like the conversations are going in circles, is that we may not be drilling far enough so that we really understand what's getting in his way We're on specific issues. We're jumping to solutions that wouldn't address those issues. He's telling us that those solutions aren't acceptable to him, and now we're heading in circles. When I think what we really want to do is really home in on what's getting in his way. I think we don't want to be talking about solutions yet because, quite frankly, I don't think we really understand his concern or perspective on the problems that are getting in his way yet. So I guess what I'm pushing hard on is let's not leave the empathy step until we're really sure we have the clearest possible understanding of his concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. And I think that's the trick for me as his counselor is, one, it's kind of contradictory to my training to do the drill thing. Like in my master's program, we were always taught not to ask those kind of drilling questions. And then two, I don't want to underestimate his ability, but the kind of questions you were asking almost take a certain level of functioning just to follow them. Like you have to be, it seems to me, almost following a high level of, of uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, intellect to be able to get from A to B and answer that question. And we even had a meeting with his parent. I say parent, the guardian he's living with. And it was very, I was worn out by the time we were done because I tried to get a little more assertive with the kinds of questions you're talking about, that, that drilling, even that word drilling is hard for me to take because it feels like I'm drilling him. But when I started to do that, he and the guardian both just kept referring back to the things like, well, you know, I, I just shut down, or, you know, I, I just can't do it, or, you know, I just... I don't know. I'm just not good at that. And and you try to get more specific, and it would come back to the same general comments. And I've literally sat with him, I bet, 40 times, not for an hour each time, and not drilling like you're talking about. But it has been all surfacey, and I'm I'm I'll try this drilling thing, but I, I I have reservations. Will that really work? Can we get to that kind of specifics? Well, well, I mean, you're going to find out. And it does sound like he and his guardian have some very interesting things that they throw out there that let us know that their understanding of the problem is not especially clear yet either. Yes? Yes. So now the question comes, if we're not getting far, and I'm, I agree with you, I'm not too keen on the word drilling unless we use the whole phrase, which is drilling for information, the premium in the empathy step is info. And it sounds like we're running into some roadblocks on gathering info about what's getting in his way. And some of the roadblocks have to do with us in terms of 
knowing what to ask and not having the conversation move on to other things when we're not exactly sure what to ask to get the information that we're looking for. And some of it has to do with the fact that he and perhaps his guardian, when we start to ask some more specific question, and if the word drilling is troublesome, then we could use the word probing or mining. Um, but what we're looking for is information. They throw out some tried and true things that reflect their general lack of understanding of the unsolved problem as well. So we may have to get a little creative. We may have to say, you know what, I wonder if we should get some assignments from health. Some of the assignments that you did complete and some of the assignments that you didn't complete. And let's see if we can figure out what it is about the assignments that you did complete that made them doable and what it is, if anything, about the assignments that you didn't complete that made them not so doable and on which you kind of threw in the towel and decided that this was yet another example of you being stupid, and I don't know if I would say it exactly this way, but I'm just talking out loud here, and that made you feel like school was hopeless. Maybe we need to look at specific assignments, and quite frankly, that's probably the direction I would head in. If once I was sure that I was really asking some very specific questions and really starting to home in on what was getting in the kid's way, if I still wasn't getting the information that I was looking for, then I would probably want to collect some assignments that he did well on, or at least did, and assignments that he didn't do well on and didn't do, so we could see if we could make heads or tails out of what was getting in his way that way. I guess the important point to be made here is if we stay vague, then we will continue to potentially skirt on the surface of an unsolved problem and not really get a deep enough understanding of what's getting in a kid's way to come up with really specific solutions that would address those really specific concerns or perspectives. And as I've said before on this program, vague concerns tend to lead to vague solutions, and vague solutions don't get the problem solved. And any other thoughts? We're, we're running out of time today. We have about three minutes left. Any other thoughts on this kid or ways in which we, we really never got past the empathy step today because, well, often we never get past the empathy step when we're trying to figure out why Plan B went awry. Actually, we did get a little further than that, is, and that is that we know we don't want to start throwing solutions out until we understand the problem. And sometimes we do that out of frustration, but this kid is a good example of how we can throw out solutions till the cows come home. If we don't understand what's getting in his way, those solutions still aren't going to get the job done. Any other thoughts before we have to stop for today? I want to mention one victory, and I don't know if, if this will help play into it, but he uses can't and never and really fatalistic words all the time. Uh-huh. And I pointed out to him how he uses those distorted words in, in everything. You know, even this boxing match he did, he fell apart and he said, I had stage fright, I can never box again. I will never be a boxer. And now I've got him to the point where he recognizes his own use of words like never and can't. So he is capable of like processing on a deep level and almost catching his own, uh, his own outs that he's used for years. So I, I do think there's hope in that regard. Does that play at all into the academics, though, or is that more vague, kind of, oh, I'm patting you on the back, and really doesn't lead to anything productive? You are going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know him, and I haven't done Plan B with him, and I think it's a great hypothesis. Um, but I think that you've got one example of him being able to move off of his response set and cognitive distortion and onto something that might be more productive for him. I think you're going to find out if that's related to academics or not. And here's your open invitation. And, of course, we can communicate by email as well. Your open invitation is to come back onto the program whenever you want and tell us how things are going with this guy when we try to drill a little bit more specifically in the empathy step and get the information that we need. On that note, I need to call it a day. This is a fascinating kid. He sounds a lot like a lot of kids that schools struggle with. Um, this is my favorite kind of program, a program where we're actually talking about real kids and people trying to do Plan B. We'll do some more next week. I hope you can join in then. Until then, good luck with Plan B. 